The Atlanta Braves split a doubleheader on Monday against the Mets to win that series, but the talk of Braves country right now is what is going on with Austin Riley and his continued slump. We'll try to answer that question on today's episode of Locked On Braves, so let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Amastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure that you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure that you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore braves. Send in any comments, questions, or feedback that you have for the podcast. If you're new on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. And if you're watching there, hit that like button as well as it does help support the show a ton whenever you do that. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. Thanks to all of our everydayers out there. Had several more of you in the comment section on yesterday's video. Let me know that you listen every day, and I really do appreciate all of all of the support. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Game Time. On today's podcast, we'll talk about Monday's doubleheader, a split. One Game one got a little scary there, more than it probably needed to be, and then a loss in the nightcap. And then on our Taco Tuesday segment, we're going to talk about Austin Riley and his continued slump. I see a lot of you out there on Twitter and in Braves country talking about Austin Riley and his continued struggles over the last couple of weeks. We'll break down that, take a look at the numbers and see what, is there some hope going forward for Austin Riley for him to turn things around. But let's start with Monday's doubleheader game one, a nine to eight win. Anytime Spencer Strider starts and you scored nine runs, that needs to be a pretty easy win, but that was not the case. Give a lot of credit to the Mets hitters who just continually came back in that game and made things extremely difficult against Braves pitching. Strider, perhaps a little rusty command early, was not great. Again, credit to the Mets pitchers who really frustrated him. I mentioned it several times when talking about this start because I got to talk about it a couple of times because of the rainouts is that with Strider, you can't get frustrated by all the foul balls that the Mets hitters are going to have. They're going to foul off some tough pitches. It's what they do. They are elite bat-to-ball type hitters up and down that lineup. A 36 first pitch, first inning for Spencer Strider. Nightmarish start and one that I was worried about, but he only allowed one run and was able to escape out of that Ran into some more trouble in the third inning. A big blow when he gave up a three-run homer to Pete Alonso. That really hurt right there. Ends up giving up four runs, but still gets through five innings. And you got to give Spencer Strider a lot of credit for battling through that, still managing to get through five innings. I thought that was a really good job by him through 107 pitches in those five innings. Still had 34 swings and misses and called strikes, so that's a very good number right there, especially against that Mets lineup. And I tweeted this out, 26 foul balls against Spencer Strider in those 107 pitches. Mets hitters had 48 foul balls in total of 186 pitches thrown by Braves pitchers in that game. 
They are frustrating to face. Whatever you think about the Mets, whatever you think about how they get it done offensively, they are just an extremely frustrating lineup to face because they will foul off good pitches. They will force you to continue to throw good pitches. And if you can't continually do that and do it consistently, they will take advantage. They'll take advantage of their walks, hit batters. That's how they create and score runs. And then if Pete Alonzo is up with runners on base and runs into a home run as he did in that game one, then that's going to be a big blow. And that's what we saw in game one. But again, Spencer Strider able to, Bear down, get through five innings. I thought he looked his best in the fourth and fifth inning. I was actually kind of hoping they'd send him back out for a sixth inning because I thought his fifth inning was the best. He finally started to get control of that slider, which he really did not have great command of early in this start. He was leaving it up a lot, a lot more than that we typically see from him. Again, could have been part rust, not having pitched uh, over the weekend and his start getting pushed back, but just didn't have that slider early on. But fourth and fifth inning in particular, I thought were his two best. And I really don't like taking pitchers out when they seem to be in control, but he's at 107 pitches, had the two extra off days. So don't want to push it too much, especially again, still early in the season. So I understand taking him out there but with a doubleheader coming up. Bullpen's been a little questionable lately. Would have maybe liked to seen Strider get one more inning. But, um, you know, does get through five innings. And again, another solid start. Obviously not what we expect with Spencer Strider. It does end his streak of consecutive starts with nine or more strikeouts as he finishes with eight. I mentioned the bullpen. Been a little shaky lately, and that continued in game one of this series. Dylan Lee came in, gave up a home run to a left-handed hitter and Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty, by the way, is a very impressive young hitter. I talked about it before the season. I think he could do big things for that Mets offense this year and help elevate that offense for them. And I thought he was really impressive in this series. Colin McHugh comes in, hits a couple of batters. And then Nick Anderson, he looked great in the eighth inning. Again, I would have loved to seen him come back out for the ninth. I just do not like taking out pitchers who seem to be in control and in command. But went to Mentor, and I thought Mentor looked really good. Even the home run that he gave up, it was a well-located pitch up and in. Uh, that Escobar just made a good swing on, but 17 pitches, 12 swings, which tells me, you know, he was around the plate, uh, especially against that Mets lineup, who typically takes a lot of pitches. So not great that he gave up a home run. I get that. I still want him moved to the eighth inning role. Hopefully, Rysel Iglesias is back soon. But I thought it was a somewhat encouraging outing for A.J. Minter, who does get the save, and they hold on for the 9-8 win. Acuna and Murphy in that game offensively just outstanding. Acuna was a triple shy of the cycle. He hit a home run that still hasn't landed yet. I mean, I don't get some of these distances by stat cast. People just don't hit home runs there at City Field. I don't think that ball went any anywhere under 600 feet. Um, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but still that ball was crushed. And then Murphy, a pair of three-run homers, um, both set up the same way. Cunha and Olsen gets on, Riley gets out, Murphy hits a three-run homer. We're going to talk about Riley here more in a minute. And then game two, just not much really going on in this game. Offense really didn't do anything outside of Eddie Rosario's big three-run RBI. Acuna gets hit to start the game, and that really – set a bad tone for the rest of the game. You take out Acuna and a lineup that already had Adrianza and Chadwick Trump at the bottom of it, and then you replace Acuna with Pilar at the top, really takes out the sting in this lineup, especially when you consider Riley's struggles right now. 
So that was a big blow. Hopefully nothing serious for Acuna. We'll talk about that more in the episode as well. I'm not sure why Michael Harris, who didn't start the game, didn't just immediately come in for Ron Acuna Jr. He did come in later in the game. Uh, but I'd like to see Michael Harris come in, get an opportunity in that leadoff spot uh, and, play, and play in place of Acuna. But either way, uh, big loss there for the Braves in game two. Rosario, I mentioned, had the big hit. And Charlie Morton, I thought he looked good until he didn't. I thought through the first five innings, he was throwing the ball really well. He had 26 whiffs plus called strikes on 92 pitches, which, again, is a really solid number against this Mets team. Then all of a sudden, he just lost command in that sixth inning, walked two straight batters. They come around to score. Ultimately, along with the late home run, was the difference in the game with the Mets getting the 5-3 to three win. But offense just really didn't get anything going against McGill. Obviously, the big loss of Acuna and playing with some of your backup players in the second half of a doubleheader didn't help. But offense just really struggled in game two of that doubleheader. But still, Braves do win what ultimately became a three-game series with the rainouts, and you'll take those on the road against the division rival any day of the week. So a good road trip for the Braves up there to New York, and it will now continue as they go down to Miami, which we'll preview at the end of this episode. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting pumped up for the fun that you'll have at the event. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. I've used them myself for last-minute ticket deals, and it was a great experience, and they were the lowest price that I could find out there on the secondary market. Get exclusive flash flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Our next sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. I've been playing it all season. It's a lot of fun. I'm not doing particularly well, but it is a lot of fun. You can collect these cards, put them into a lineup. There's two cycles a week, a three- and a four-day cycle, giving you more opportunities to win exclusive prizes, scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes do vary depending on the level of competition that you are playing, but there's no cost to play. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. All right, the Braves will begin a series against the Marlins on Tuesday night. We'll have the postcast for you after each of those games over on Lockdown Sports Atlanta on YouTube and on the Lockdown Braves podcast feed. Also, make sure that you check out those games on SiriusXM. Just search term Braves, and you can listen to those uh, if you have that ability. Um, on our Taco Tuesday segment for today, going to talk about Austin Riley and the struggles that he is having lately. It is now a two-week stretch for Austin Riley where he has not done much in the three-hole for the Atlanta Braves. 
So what's going on with Austin? Let's start looking at the stats. Going to throw some numbers at you here, so bear with me. Season stats so far for Austin Riley. 241, 333, 417, a 750 OPS, five home runs, 15 runs batted in, 15 walks. That's a 12.8% walk rate, which is very solid, but 36 strikeouts for a nearly 30% K rate. Not great. A 114 WRC+, plus, so still an above-average player. Again, you look at those numbers overall, not terrible. Probably not your three-hitter, though, and numbers that you're wanting out of your three-spot in the lineup. Seven times he has grounded into a double play. That is atrocious, and it just seems like it's been happening a ton. Every time there's a runner on first base right now and Riley comes up, you're just hoping he doesn't hit into a double play. It is happening far too frequently. He did it 13 times all of last year. He's already done it seven times in the first month of the season this year. That's got to stop. I don't know what needs to change. Pitchers making good pitches on him. You are seeing him really struggle on pitches down and in and him getting on top of those balls. But seven double plays in the first month of the season, that is just absolutely brutal. Now, it was a tell of two halves in the month of April, something you have to consider here. His stats on April 17th, after the game on April 17th, 317, 408, 540, four home runs. That is a number three hole hitter. Now, you know he's probably not going to keep up those batting average numbers the entire year, but he was on fire to start the season, and everybody's going to have their hot and cold streaks. But those were his numbers through April 17th. Since April 17th, Six for 45 at the plate. That's a 133 batting average, 244 on base percentage, 278 slugging percentage, a 522 OPS, and 44 WRC plus with one home run, two doubles, 16 strikeouts, and five walks. That is a two week slump for Austin Riley, where he has pretty much given you nothing out of the three hole in your lineup. People are going to have hot and cold streaks. It's really tough to get your offense going. Luckily, the Braves are a very deep lineup, as has been well documented, and we've talked about a lot on here. But really tough to have that type of production or lack of production from your three-hole hitter for two whole weeks. And it's not like he hasn't done nothing. He has a home run, two two doubles over that stretch. So a couple of three extra base hits in two weeks. Not really what you're hoping for from your three-hole hitter. This is an exaggerated slump that he has he has been in. Now you look at some of the situations where he's really struggling this year, and this is not just in this slump. This is on the entirety of the season. He is really struggling against right-handed pitchers this year. I talked about the fact he's really struggling on pitches down and in. He seems to be getting on top of those pitches a lot. But against righties, 224, 302, 342 against right-handed pitchers this year. Last year, it was 255, 328, 483. So again, you're seeing him far below his average numbers against right-handed hitters, or at least what he did last year. Struggling with runners in scoring position, not what you want out of your three-hole hitter. I know a lot of Braves batters are struggling with runners in scoring position this year, but Austin Riley hitting 182 with runners in scoring position this season and 33 at-bats. 10 strikeouts, does have seven walks and a 326 on-base percentage and 11 RBIs in those spots, but still 
182 batting average with runners in scoring position. Not great. Struggling on the road, which is also somewhat surprising because the Braves have played much better on the road, but he has a 193 average and 277 on-base percentage in road games. This may not be surprising, especially for fans who remember last year, Braves struggling a lot in day games, but Austin Riley is struggling big time in day games so far this season. 175 average, 277 on base, a 200 slugging percentage in day games this year. So right now, struggling on the road, struggling in day games, struggling with runners in scoring position, struggling against right-handed pitchers. So you want to pick a lock for Austin Riley? Pick him in a night game against left-handed pitchers at home. You know he's going to go off. But outside of that, Austin Riley really struggling this season. And no surprise, not barreling a lot of baseballs right now. His barrel percentage is down to 7.6%. It was 15.5% last year. So almost cut in half or is cut in half from what it was last year. That ranks in the 49th percentile according to baseball savant he was in the 96th percentile last year in barrel percentage so that is a huge drop off in the amount of times that he is barreling up a baseball creating a lot of weak contact foul ball or ground balls fly balls as we're going to see here in a second the whiff and the chase rates are about the same we know those are never going to be particularly great for austin riley but the strikeout percentage is even lower than it was last year in the 16th percentile this year compared to 30th percentile last year. Again, we know he's going to strike out a lot, but it's been even worse than that so far this season. And you look at the one pitch or the types of pitches that are really giving him trouble right now. It's the off-speed pitches, splitters, change-ups, those type of, of pitches. They are really tripping him up right now. 276, he hit 276 against off-speed pitches last year. Right now, he's hitting 231 against off-speed pitches, a 33.7% whiff rate last year against off-speed pitches. He's he's whiffing nearly 50% of the time, 48.3% of the time to be exact, against off-speed pitches right now. Again, goes back to, to talk about struggling with right-handed pitchers, right-handed pitchers that are throwing change-ups that are diving down and into Austin Riley. He's really either he's either missing them or he's getting on top of them for weak ground balls. That's what's giving him the most trouble right now. He's also taking good pitches. His meatball swing percentage right now, that's pitches right down the middle, 62.1% compared to 84.3% last year. He's just not recognizing good pitches out of the hands. Those last two, struggling against the off-speed pitches, taking good pitches down the middle, those tell me he's just not seeing the ball well right now for whatever reason. When I watch him, he just he looks confused. He looks like the version of Austin Riley we saw at the end of 2019 and at, and at times – in 2020, where he was still making those adjustments and you could see signs of him growing, he looks like he's gone back to that type of hitter for the moment. I'll go ahead and stop and say here, I'm not concerned about Austin Riley long-term. I'm just telling you what is happening right now that is contributing to his struggles. I have all the confidence in the world in him that he's going to turn things around. But at this very moment in time, 
he just is not recognizing pitches and he just looks like he's up there guessing. He looks confused. Ozzy Albies looked this way early in the season before he turned things around. But again, the fact that he's taking good pitches down the middle, he's swinging at bad pitches, mostly down and in, and also that slider off the plate away just tells me the pitch recognition is not there. He's not picking it up out of the hand right now, especially not in day games or on the or on the road for whatever reason. And goes back to the, you know, not barreling up baseballs. He's getting a lot of ground balls, nearly 50% ground ball rate, 48.5% to be exact compared to 39% last year. So up 10% as ground ball rate is up 10% from last year and his fly ball rate is up as well, which again explains why he's not barreling up the baseball. He's either getting on top of it or getting under it. And most of the time he's getting on top of it. And that is why his launch angle is eight degrees compared to 13 degrees last year, which was the lowest average launch angle of his career. He is just struggling on those off speed pitches. He is constantly getting on top of them. He's not able to get, either under them or able to uh, barrel them up for any type of hard contact. And that's really what's giving him the most struggle right now. Pitch recognition and off-speed pitches, mostly down and in, or the slider, which I know is more of a breaking pitch, not an off-speed pitch, but sliders down and away, which have always kind of been an Achilles heel for Austin Riley. So am I concerned? I kind of already answered this. No, but Maybe he's not that three-hole guy. If you take out last July for Austin Riley, he's been more of a 260, 330, 440, maybe a little bit more slug than that. Still really good, but maybe more of a four, five-hole hitter than a three-hole hitter. But who do you put in there? Maybe Sean Murphy. Maybe it's time to give him a look in the three-hole with the way that he's swinging it right now. Look, he took two weeks off in April and he still slashed 258, 339, 454 with five home runs in the month of April alone. Still a really, really good player, but he's in a bad stretch right now. One thing he himself talked about coming into this year is he has to avoid those long cold streaks like we've seen from him in the past. Again, last year, really good player for just about every month. He was really bad at the end, but it was really just July. He was great in July, and then he was just a good player in all of the other months, you want to see him be more consistent. He wants to be more consistent. He knows it's something that he needs to improve on. You can't have two-week stretches where you're getting basically nothing from your three-hole hitter. One thing to keep in mind here, Austin Riley is 26 years old. I think we often forget how young a lot of these Braves players are, but Austin Riley in particular, because he's been around for a while, and he's going to be around for a while yet, still just 26 years old. Again, I have all the confidence in the world that he's going to make this adjustment and he is going to have a, a incredible two hopefully longer week stretch here pretty soon once he gets things going. I'm just telling you what we're seeing right now and what's giving him the most problems right now that he needs to work on. He knows he needs to work on these things and again, I believe he will and we'll see that MVP caliber type of Austin Riley here sooner rather than later or let's at least hope that is the case. Hopefully, we get an MVP player in Ronald Acuna Jr. back soon after a scary moment for him in the game on Monday. We'll talk about that next. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. 
I'm about to be a parent of three with multiple jobs. Circumstances change and your needs for mental health change as well. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash MLB. Got a lot of great content coming up for you this week. We'll have a mailbag later in the week as well as we always do. We'll have a stat of the day Wednesday on Wednesday's episode tomorrow. Uh, so a lot of great content. Got the Marlins series that we'll have this week and then the Orioles coming into town over the weekend. So a lot of great stuff for you here on Locked On at Braves. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. All right, got some... Injury news that we're hoping to get. I was recording this a little later in the day on Tuesday, hoping to get some injury updates. But as the time I'm recording this, we really don't have anything else at this point. Everything looked good on Ron Acuna Jr. They did some further imaging and they revealed that there was no fracture. So that is great to see. He's just considered uh, day-to-day at the moment. Would not be surprised if he at least sits out Tuesday to give him another day to try to rest and recover. But hopefully... He's back in the lineup sooner rather than later. Really hate to see that. No, I don't think it was intentional, but these pitchers need to be better at pitching inside. I know they need to do it to Ronald Acuna Jr. You hear him talk about on the broadcast all the time. We get it, but be better. (laughs) You should not be missing your location by that much. Pitchers get away at times. I get it, but be better is all I can say to opposing pitchers out there. You want to pitch inside, be better locate better because uh, we just can't have this. It's We can't have a great player, an MVP season, going out like this because you can't locate your inside fastball. Um, while we're on the topic, not a dirty slide by Jeff McNeil. I don't want to put that intent on him in game one of that series, but it was an illegal slide that should have been reviewed. I don't want to call it dirty because I don't want to put intent in somebody else's you know, mindset, I don't know what Jed McNeil's intent was. I don't think he really wanted to hurt Von Grissom, but it was an illegal slide. And look, when I was playing, you came in cleats up. That was not not the nice thing to do. I'll just leave it at that. Iglesias, uh, is he coming to Miami? That's what I was kind of hoping to wait and see. I, I hope so. I think at the very least we see him this weekend, but would not be surprised if he made the trip to Miami. Possibly Travis Darno as well. I know he traveled with the team to New York, so I would assume he's going to travel to Miami as well. Maybe we get him back this week. So hopefully we're getting several injured players back. I think most notably, other than Acuna, really want to see Iglesias come back into this bullpen. Bullpen has been struggling a bit lately. I think Iglesias can help calm some things down there. Now getting into the game one matchup with the Marlins, it's a matchup we just saw not long ago. Sandy Alcantara versus Bryce Elder rematch of a game the Braves won uh, just a week ago. Been a weird year for Alcantara so far. Hopefully it continues because it's been a weird bad year for him so far. Cruised through the first five innings last week against the Braves and then suddenly lost control and the Braves were able to take advantage. We'll see if Ozuna is back in the lineup. We did not see him at all in a doubleheader. I think that tells you the status of Marcelo Zuna right now, but he does, oddly enough, have really good numbers against Sandy Alcantara, so we'll see, we'll see if he's in the lineup. 
on Tuesday night. Bryce Elder gave up three home runs to the Marlins. That's hard to do for a team that doesn't hit a lot of home runs. Hopefully that doesn't happen in Lone Depot Park, which is not a very hitter-friendly park. And we see a better outing from Bryce Elder. His last start in Miami, he tossed six scoreless innings, allowing just two hits and two walks with six strikeouts. I'll take another performance like that. You got to wonder if he's starting to feel the pressure. Everybody's asking, what is it going to take for Michael Soroka to replace Bryce Elder in the rotation? And by the way, we may see Soroka get a start this Friday as the Braves will need somebody to fill that gap. But you got to wonder if Bryce Elder is maybe feeling that pressure a little bit. Again, I get asked that question daily by multiple people. What is it going to take for Soroka to replace Bryce Elder? Meanwhile, I think Elder's done a really great job, and I think it's going to take a good bit for Soroka to replace him. But I don't think that'll be in this start. I'm expecting a good outing from Bryce Elder. Again, hopefully Acuna is back, if not Tuesday, at least Wednesday, and see the Braves have a, another series win, a good series against the Marlins team that has been really good. And they're right there right now battling in the NLE, so should be a fun division series. That will do it for this episode of Locked on Braves. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Braves. Thanks for making us your first listen of each and every day. Thank you so much to all my everydayers out there. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked on underscore Braves. Follow me at Shortstop Ball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 